Hi, and welcome to the Stefan Levera podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Are you wondering what is the latest with Lightning Network? What does it mean when channels go large sized with Wumbo? My guest today is Laulu, also known as Roast Beef, the CTO of Lightning Labs. This show is brought to you by swanbitcoin.com, the best place to auto stack your Bitcoin in the US with incredibly easy setup and low fees. I personally appreciate that Swan is Bitcoin only and they're dedicated to Bitcoin education. Go to swanbitcoin.com slash Levera to get $10 of free Bitcoin when you start stacking with Swan. And Swan has some news to share. They've had massive demand for daily buys since the day they launched the service. One of the big positives of regular recurring buys is smoothing out price volatility. So buying daily will catch those dips even better than buying weekly. There are a limited number of spots in the Swan Daily Buys beta. So head over to swanbitcoin.com slash daily buys to get into the beta. That's swanbitcoin.com slash daily buys. Are you looking out for your Bitcoin backups and security? Have you got your Bitcoin seed words or recovery phrase backed up? Check out the Cypher wheel produced by CypherSafe at cyphersafe.io. It's a wheel-shaped product and you can put in the words from your seed using the tiles and it also comes with a padlock tamper evidence seal so you know if it's been opened. Make sure that you or your loved ones have access if something happens to you. Don't just keep it on that piece of paper. Orders are going out now. Go to cyphersafe.io and use code LAVERA for a discount. Next is Knox. Knox is a Bitcoin custodian dedicated to ensuring their insurance protection covers the full value of their customers' assets. For example, suppose a fiduciary wants to hold $250 million worth of Bitcoin with Knox. Knox will seek to obtain $250 million of insurance dedicated exclusively to that account and adjustable to volatility. No fractional coverage or narrow scope. Insurance for what it's worth, a tool to transfer risk. Knox is backed by investors such as Fidelity Investments Canada, Initialized Capital and Inovia. If you are a Bitcoin company, investment fund, trust, or family office, check out Knox for your insured custody. The website is knoxcustody.com. And finally, Unchained Capital, Bitcoin native financial services. Unchained Capital are making it easy for you to access multi-signature and they are providing products in a way that respects the not your keys, not your coins ethos of Bitcoin. So if you're thinking about your Bitcoin security, why not consider going from zero to multi-sig with Unchained? They're offering a Vault Concierge onboarding package where you can get a guided setup call and have hardware devices mailed out to you. And as part of the package, you'll have $1,000 in your vault also. So the prices range from $1,500 to $1,000 and use code LAVERA for a discount. Also, Unchained Capital have an incredible amount of content and open source contributions in the space, which you can find at their website. Go to unchained-capital.com. All right, so for this interview, we get into a lot of stuff around the Lightning Network. What's the current state of it? What's going to happen with Wumbo, backups, HTLC interception? We talk about Loop as well, uh, some of the attacks on Lightning that are possible, and what are some of the mitigations, as well as protocol upgrades. So make sure you are subscribed using a podcatcher application, and you can make sure you set the speed to a comfortable level for this interview. Lalu, welcome back to the show. What's up? What's up? Yeah, it's good to be back. I think last time I was here was like two years ago, maybe or something like that. But yeah, it's been it's been some time. And since then, you, you know, you've kind, of, you've kind of blown up since then. So uh, yeah, definitely good to see you uh, make some progress on this. Oh, for sure. Thank you. And uh, you guys have been doing some great work over at Lightning Labs. I was really excited to see some of the work you guys are putting out. Um, and so obviously, I had to get you back on the show, man, and uh, hear, hear a little bit about what's going on. But I, I guess I wanted to maybe just start a little bit more broadly, just Lightning mm-hmm. Network in generally. We're mm-hmm. seeing, you know, uh, some real development in the ecosystem. So what are you seeing that you're excited about? 
Oh, uh, yeah, I'm talking about a bunch of things. I, I think it's case now it's where it's like, you know, I feel like progressively we kind of like slowly matured the network over time. So, like, you know, maybe initially it was a little bit more like just about like, you know, recommends we have like search slate, things like that. But I think now we're kind of like seeing like a bunch of like other like larger companies, all the kind of like, you know, other use cases that I didn't think would arise. Like, for example, like, you know, Nice Hash like offers like, you know, actually uh, doing payoffs and even like actually buying hash, which is like a pretty cool thing. I think we're also seeing like a bunch of exchanges to get on a little bit more seriously now as well, too. I think kind of like what we, you know, we've seen over the past like year or two is kind of like, you know, lightning like growing up a little bit more from kind of like just the little like uh, maybe like microwave network or something that's like turning into a little bit more than that as far as like, you know, larger payment sizes and also kind of like, you know, people being more confident in the software itself. I think also generally like the network maturing a lot. Like it's like if, if you'd say, okay, well, you know, maybe things weren't, weren't super, uh, you know, kind of like uh, stable before, but like I think, I think at this point now like, things are a lot more mature. You will like, have a lot more confidence in the network, which is really great. Yeah. So we're seeing things like, as you said, mining payouts potentially, well, mining payouts are now being done over Lightning in the case of NiceHash. So that's a, a really interesting development in the ecosystem. And uh, people could say, well, in the past, maybe mining uh, pools had to batch the payout, whereas now exactly. they can payout in a more instant or closer to um, real-time way. Yeah. And that's a really interesting development. Uh, yeah, and, and and even, um, you know, we're seeing the growth of some of these sats back st- type uh, businesses, things like Fold or mm-hmm, BitRefill. Mm-hmm. So those are exciting Strike as too, well. which is like launched launch, uh, recently, recently. Yeah, and they're built on top of L&D as well, aren't they? So that's also another interesting one. And um, I, yeah, it's really cool to just sort of see the way this thing is growing up. And now payments are starting to become a little easier to route through. And obviously, we're going to get into mm-hmm. Wombo and all of that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, look, so let, let's talk a little bit about some of the recent updates uh, coming from Lightning Lab. So I think let's let's chat about Wombo. So uh, you know, the last time we spoke on the show, uh, you were kind of talking about the idea of Wombo, but now Wombo is becoming reality. So yeah, tell yeah. us a little bit about that and uh, that experience. Okay, definitely. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, people I don't know, like, initially in the network itself, we kind of, like, had, like, a, like, the first kind of, like, you know, effective, like, training rules in the network. We kind of, like, had, like, a, um, you know, limited channel size, or, like, 0.16 BTC, or, like, 224 Satoshis. I think, that, you know, that point was kind of the same thing where, you like, I, I feel like we always try to, like, you know, make sure we set expectations properly, try to, like, you know, kind of, like, um, you know, end the prompts over deliver the way that's kind of, like, our, our style generally. So, we, we, you know, we all kind of, like, agreed, like, initially, initially, protocol developers, you have a woman on there, just to kind of, like, signal, okay, well, still, like, sort of rental, also kind of, like, to, like, you know, cap off any sort of, like, you know, um, security uh, issues as far as, like, you know, like, bots, and things like that. I think, like, it's been maybe, like, you know, three, four years now at this point. So we got, we got, got a lot more comfortable with it. And like, so like, you know, what we call one was basically kind of like, you know, that channels are basically larger than 0.16 BTC. It's kind of like a really big thing because obviously like right now, like, you know, I think in the beginning, because like maybe people were doing maybe initially more, more so kind of like, you know, one, so it's two extensions with girls. It didn't really matter as much. I think now like people are starting to do like, you know, exchange deposits, they're doing kind of like, you know, different type of trading. They're doing actually, you know, actual real place re- retail size payments. They're going to give cards, things like that as well too. Basically one was a thing where now it knows actually like now signal, I guess kind of like an awesome thing. They want like larger channels. It's usually really good because now we're kind of like, you know, creating effectively like what's the back of the network itself, right? So, like, you know, so I would imagine, like, you know, every single user is actually doing one more channel themselves because, like, maybe if I have, like, a 0.16, you know, BTC channel that's, like, so pretty big, you know, that's, like, you know, a few thousand dollars and, like, you know, tens of millions of stations itself, one was a little bit more kind of, like, for, like, the backbone of the network itself. So, kind of, like, you know, the actual part of the network that's connecting, like, these major services, exchanges, you know, other, like, merchant businesses and things like that as well, too. So, you can say, okay, well, initially, we kind of, like, had a series of, like, you know, paths and kind of, like, dirt roads and maybe, you know, like, cops and across. Now, we're actually building kind of, like, these, like, larger, like, highways, which are kind of, like, you know, will be kind of, like, the epicenter of transportation in the network and, you know, we're transporting yeah, that's very cool. So as you were saying, uh, the channel limit has been raised from 0.16 something bitcoins mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, to now where the channel part participants, if they want to opt into that, they can now raise that limit and they can go, you know, one Bitcoin channel or even more. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess, as you were saying, this is really more like for big infrastructure, big nodes, uh, you exactly. know, we're talking about like BitRefill or Bitfinex or uh, uh, Zap or people like that would want to have these big channels. Obviously, if you are a 
you know, private individual or just an individual with a lot of Bitcoins and you want to run a big routing, routing node, well, nothing's stopping you now. Exactly, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. think it's also pretty cool that, you know, we can like reach this level of scale in the network because I think right now maybe it's like a little bit with a thousand BTC and like and that's thousand BTC of like, you know, 0.16 channels, right? So like, you know, people really had to like really, and you get out of the way to like, get to that side. But I think it's also kind of like shows like, you know, we, 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 we reach this level of scale even with kind of like effectively these trading loads on the system itself. And I think that's so pretty good because now we're going to begin to, okay, well, now from here on, it's a little bit, maybe a little more abandoned, kind of like a little, now the network can, you know, grow at well, basically, and we have some other tools coming along uh, to kind of like let people, you know, know where it's like better, uh, you know, put their funds, kind of like, you know, where channels should be open to, things like that. If we do want to do Wombo channels and things, there are perhaps some additional security considerations that come with that, because obviously we're talking about, uh, quote unquote, hot funds on Lightning. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what are some of the things that people have to think about there when they are doing Wombo channels? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, good, super good question. I guess number one is kind of like maybe people need to think about a little more about you know kind of like actually who they're opening, who they're accepting channels from because like you don't necessarily want to accept like channel from anyone in the network itself just because like you know if you accept like a bad channel it can actually kind of like affect like the ability of like other nodes to route towards you because maybe like you know that bad channel kind of like maybe had two IOTs or whatever else. So number one, I think people just kind of like you know be a little bit more like you know wary as far as like who they actually accept channels you know from because like in maybe the beginning is like you know it's good but, like you know otherwise you want to like you know have like a like a better like set of like you know high quality nodes basically because like it's better kind of like have maybe like five or so really really good channels than like a hundred you know channels that maybe like have them were kind of like not there and not really there itself. The other thing, obviously, is kind of like, you know, just make sure you have like good authentication to your node, like actually, like, you know, lock down, you know, on the kind of like network level to make sure you have like, um, you know, kind of like least principle of access to any individuals in the node itself. Uh, obviously, backups as well, you know. So, you know, one thing we, we released many years ago is basically this concept of like SCP, basically allows you to kind of like, you know, close out the channel in the case that you maybe like lost like uh, a lot of the data itself, like, you know, you actually close the channel on and get it back on chain. And obviously, kind of like any sort of like, you know, replication uh, that you have going on there. So, I think now all the major implications like have some sort of, some sort of kind of like replicate database as far as like uh, the backs of their node. And this is really important because otherwise, like you know, you 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 kind of like eliminate that single point of failure because otherwise, if you're enabled, that that's it. But now you can actually have kind of like a database follow-over and actually have like you know more advanced architectures uh, as far as like you know different nodes. Another thing we work on as well is kind of like you know adding a lot more like support for like you know PSBT and kind of like you know different like PubKey import stuff. Like right now with LD, you can actually like fund a channel from like external wallets. Like let's say I can actually have you know most of my my my, my funds on the code wallet itself. And I can use my hard wallet to actually fund comes lighting itself. Then like the next thing we're going on there maybe we'll be ready by time for dot twelve, maybe dot thirteen. Kind of like you know be allowing you to kind of like effectively have like a like a lightning node like LD you know that's actually kind of like more of a shell so it basically like it has like purely um you know only only put keys on the thing itself and it actually requires a kind of like additional protocol to actually do any signing at all so you can, you can actually have like a lightning node that's online actually run canvas itself but actually you know private keys on the node itself and kind of like delegates access to those keys elsewhere so you, this kind of like lets you kind of like separate security and have like different you know access control policies to make sure that things are moving uh the way they should be i see so uh as i understand you there and i think uh chris stewart has also spoken about this at the recent lightning conference he was talking about this idea of uh the the different keys that require that are required to be hot and so because uh only some of those keys actually have to be hot well then now we can start doing things where it's a bit more of an advanced setup where people can say open a a lightning channel from the hardware wallet and have it closed directly back to that hardware wallet and in the meantime they obviously some aspects of those keys have to be hot uh, because the channel or because you know let's say lnd is you know passing back and forward um channel state updates Uh, so obviously those keys have to be hot but the other keys don't necessarily have to be Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, and like we're looking at other different modes as well. You can actually maybe like actually have LND like running kind of like a pub key only mode. So like let's say I have like an pub. Like let's let's say I, let's say I have like two LNDs. Like one's kind of like actually like offline. The other one's like maybe online itself. I can initialize the offline one. Basically, like then click on series like you know pub keys or XPUB, insert them into the one that's online basically, and then kind of like have a protocol between the two. That's like you know, meeting any signing itself. So I can kind of like have smart main systems to so make make sure that like you know if the box gets popped, is like not necessarily like the private keys go directly and kind of like have additional additional like, layer of security there too. So something we're definitely looking at, and you know it's been something like kind of like a 
so progress is like obviously to make sure we're designing it properly and kind of like also keeping up with the yeah, actual ecosystem as far as like the way the new standard involvement. But um, I think we're looking, looking pretty good here as far as like you know, people, people being a lot more confident and like having like you know a lot more funds under their system. Obviously, like one thing you definitely want to have is basically monitoring. So we have something called LND monitor, which kind of like something you can hook up to your LND node and actually like shows you like graphs of like your peers, like channel size, things like that as well too. You, then you can also even set alerts from there from there on too, because like otherwise, you know, if you have like maybe like a few VTC on the node, you want to kind of like know if anything happens, you know, like, do, do so pretty quickly. Because otherwise, you have to kind of like you know go in there and SSH to log in. I guess the other cool thing we've seen is kind of like a lot of people like making these new kind of like UI for like node management. It kind of like lets, makes it a lot easier to kind of like actually like glance at a node and do other different operations and kind of like you know do, do things from far because obviously the CLI only scales so much. And even me, you know, sometimes I come over the CLI, so it's really good to see all these additional tools that you know, are kind of like rising the ecosystem to like drag things forward, make it a lot easier, and also like just make it easier to understand what's going on. With the whole backups thing, as I understand, in the earlier days, the channels didn't have that. And then so that was the new thing that uh, you came out with, with static channel backups, where, as I understand, it's like a static, I think it's called static remote key. And then so the idea is then it would then if that channel were to close, it would then the funds would come back and hit like they kind of land back into your on-chain wallet. So that way now you can recover them. But Uh the downside is you have to close that channel. That's the main downside there, right, currently? Exactly, yeah. And, like, one, one of the things, like, you know, that wasn't as possible in the past. Like, initially, we kind of, like, had something where we actually kind of, like, had this, like, random nonce added to, like, the, the pub key of your wallet, basically. So, like, so before, like, you know, in this SCB case, you actually had to contact the other individual. The individual would, would kind of, like, give you this, like, random secret. And then only once you have the secret, you actually drive the key so that uh, allows you to launch the funds of the channel itself. And then we just like, call that remote key. So now it's basically just, like, a direct address, you know, effectively, like, in your wallet that's actually in the channel. So if they force close, you get your one back immediately. Otherwise, if you force close, you can actually do the whole CSV thing and then get through there. So it's, it's kind of, like, it's definitely, like, a step forward now because like you know you trust the other party like much less because like now you're no longer relying on them to kind of like, give you this give you this particular secret but uh you know it is the case right now where if you want to recover you still would need to actually you know close things down on chain um but you know and obviously like you know that's not ideal but like it's kind of like i'm sorry i do kind of like scb is kind of like the emergency case this is kind of like the plan b plan c basically everything else fails and then you basically have scb but now we're talking working kind of like you know, up on the hierarchy where you basically have scb and you have kind of like you know more replicated database systems and beyond that maybe you have other kind of like more on the fly publication going on um and uh, that's, that's something we actually released recently in lnd for uh, data 11 so we have something called like we kind of like have the initial experimental uh, support for this like database backend like it's neat it's neat so like you know it basically can like run at, like they kind of like cluster setting so rather than like having just w- one copy of like your state on the, on like a single node or like a single kind of like process you can like replicate that to make it three or four or five it has like has failover and things like that as well too so something that's definitely required because anyone that's like running kind of like a, a business on a large scale on the internet has like database replication they have failover and everything like that as well too now we're seeing all the nodes catch up to like you know allow people to have similar architectures running on lightning which definitely required for anyone doing kind of like you know large enterprise type support and stuff like that Okay, so as I understand you there, well, comparing back to, let's say, earlier days of Lightning, I knew some people were trying to do things like R-Sync, which is like a way to try and copy it over, but that's like not very safe. And as mm, I understand, yeah, then, yeah, what you're doing now lovely. is a more advanced way of backing it up so that you are backing up the database to another machine so that exactly. if your main machine goes down, then mm-hmm. you would still have, or at least you've got a better chance of having the correct up-to-date state uh, mm-hmm. And so that kind of how that's how you deal with kind of the quote unquote toxic backup uh, problem. Exactly. And another cool thing beyond that as well, you, you can actually kind of like use the database system for itself to like, you know, have like failover between different LND nodes. So like, let's say I have like two different LND nodes. Like one of them is actually kind of like the, the current, like, you know, primary like leader basically. Like, you know, if that one goes down, it's going to fill up to any other ones. It's really cool because you, you can then kind of like implement like, you know, similar things like kind of like zero downtime like upgrades between all the different nodes. Like let's say like I were to upgrade to like down 12, which is coming out like in a few weeks or whatever else. Uh, I can actually then like do that in a way where I don't really have like, you know, complete downtime on my services. Otherwise, I want to like make sure everything's highly available to make sure like I can service my customers or, you know, whatever app I'm doing and things like that too. So uh, I'm super excited about this because now it's a lot more like um, 
you know, it's a lot more meaningful to kind of like larger scale deployments and like what people really need to be like, you know, be using large amounts of money. Also just feel a lot more confident because now you can actually have, you know, all the safety pack be, be backed up and backed up in a way that's actually very secure or like a little more safer because like you're not doing a man like the RSA thing, which like you said, you can kick out of like pretty, pretty easily. And uh, while we were just talk, talking about Wombo now, uh, it's probably also fair to say that we are now seeing more success rate in terms of large payments moving around the network. Can you tell us a little bit about your own? I'm sure you're doing your own little benchmarking and testing on that as well. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. How, what are you seeing on the network? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, so I think it's also kind of like people like reporting to us generally that they're having a lot more success. I, I think one thing definitely enables that's kind of like, you know, the, uh, people like getting a lot more used to the usage of MVP itself, kind of like those you, you actually like, you know, split, split payments into different um, smaller amounts. And this will be really good because now you're, you're not really relying, relying on kind of like, you know, one single channel to like try your payments. I think generally we're seeing people like, you know, report a lot more success and kind of like, which I, maybe initially maybe like people were doing kind of like, you know, like one, like maybe one cent on like one dollar. That's just like people doing kind of like different microphones, like dollars and like that. But you know, we're like seeing a lot more success rate and people, you know, going beyond that maybe to like the five, like the fifty to hundred dollar like kind of like you know uh, realm and that's also kind of like you know pre-wombo i think one thing i'm curious about as well like you know will people actually close out their kind of like you know pre-wombo channels like make larger channels or will they just like add them on added them basically so i think i think we're still yet to see kind of like the full effect of wombo just because like you know lmv itself which kind of like is you know really popular right now itself was only like really upgrading like the past week or two so i think we'll probably like maybe in a few months see exactly like what the different uh, what's, the, what's the initial kind of like impact of the network actually is from there on but i think generally like people i, I think the other thing as well which is maybe a little bit underage like people are getting like you know better actually operating their nodes in, in the first place it's like you know everyone kind of has fancy like node being kind of like yeah, you can click the button and print money. You know, everyone wants that, like, you know, that dream of plugging Raspberry Pi to give you, like, you know, $20 a month. But obviously, that's not, the, that's not really the case. You actually do a lot more active management in your first channels. I think people have got a lot better at actually like, doing like rebalancing, you know, thing, using things like Loop to actually, like, you know, move their money, uh, different run things to get that amount of liquidity. I think it's, it's a combination of basically, like, you know, like the tooling getting better, but then also, like, the routing operators who kind of, like, you know, have, like, level of skill and kind of, like, insight into actually what they need to be doing. I think they're getting a lot better themselves as far as, like, tooling all their education, too. So it's kind of like a gradual thing. And I'm, I'm really, you know, excited to like, as I understand you there, it's essentially in the earlier days and perhaps even now, there are there are there were and there are a lot of zombie channels and kind of just oh, that too, yeah. uh, you know, just a lot of uh nodes that got set up and then didn't sort of get maintained. And then so every time someone tries to route a payment through those, mm-hmm. then it's it's difficult, right? And so now um what we're seeing now is more active management and better tooling around how exactly. to manage your lightning node such mm-hmm. that you're doing things like balancing the channels better or that you've just kind of you have i guess your node has a better view of the network um so now it knows how to route those payments better exactly um, exactly yeah, and like, you know, it's another thing as well, like we actually improved a lot in LND, kind of like the pathfinding aspect, because like, you know, before maybe like, you know, like very early days, like, you know, 2017, LND would basically forget all of its memory after maybe like 15 seconds. So it's kind of like, like a goldfish, basically like, you know, so even even if it had a channel like work really well in the past, it would basically never try it again, because it basically like, you know, consider everything from like clean state. But now we have something we kind of like call like mission control in LND. It's kind of like the ability to like LND can like actually like retain like memory of like past attempts, basically. So it's going to remember, okay, well, you know, channel from Bob to Carol, that's what I want really good. Maybe like, let me kind of like, you know, increase the probability of success by internal modules, basically like check the channel again. Otherwise, if then to learn from basically failure and successes. So basically, over time, as you make more payments, you can actually progressively like learn more of the, the current network map itself. This is also even possible to actually like, kind of like you know combine like the effective like memory or like you know um, mind share of like other different LNDs into like one kind of like central more or database basically to like help you like help you do a lot better pathfinding. That's not really done yet. But I think generally like people found like a lot more success in that because now like LNDs basically learning as it goes rather than kind of like just fumbling around fumbling around the dark. Yeah, I see. And also, you mentioned some of the tools that are able that are used now to help manage or at least have a dashboard to see what the current state of your lightning channels are so for example mm-hmm. rtl ride the lightning there's mm-hmm. uh, Thunderhub, as mm-hmm. you mentioned lnd mon which is by lightning labs and you also mentioned uh i think there's well i've seen also lit as well lightning mm-hmm. is it lightning interface 
Seven, uh, yeah, well, it's like, yeah, it's like a light, lightning terminal and like, you know, you can kind of like smush that to the lid. <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah, you're always good with naming, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how important would you say um, like doing all the rebalancing and uh, kind of the active management of a channel of your channels as opposed to, let's say, uh, the more, let's call it laissez-faire, just kind of opening a lot of channels. Would you just say that's very Bitcoin uh, kind of capital inefficient to just have a ton of channels and not spend the time active remanaging and so on or can you give us a sense of that yeah totally totally i mean it's kind of kind of thing where it's like you know you need to, you need to like uh like actually like place channels in the place where they're kind of like most actually demand like they're most willing to be used otherwise i can like you know maybe put like 10 of the network if i put those those channels in basically like you know uh quarters that maybe aren't really well demanded they're just gonna kind of like, kind of like just like set their rest i think we see this a lot of people maybe like there was someone like in the past and maybe they put in like 100k in the network itself like they they, they just don't kind of like a very like uneducated manner they didn't really earn, earn like any money at all itself but then you look at the kind of like the individuals maybe like running raspberry times you basically made a lot more money just because like they're actually you know a lot more savvy and i actually knew what they were going on right so, like things like you know if i have like a Large channel that, that, that isn't actually getting in traffic at all. I can like you know really have like a large opportunity cost because I can actually, obviously I have the capital elsewhere and, and, and would be a lot more effective, right? So, so I think people are now realizing as well like you know they're kind of like you know watching like social media, they're seeing okay there's a big launch over there, they're kind of like on these like IRC groups like Telegram or whatever else, kind of like really like you know put their channel back to like where they're most demand itself. So I think people are getting better 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 ups over time. We're also working on like additional tools to basically give people like the more insight to to like actually you know where to put their capital. It's so like you're saying it's kind of like a, a game of like you know effective capital management because otherwise you, know, you can definitely be doing other things with your money. And if, if you're putting on the network itself, you want to like make sure that okay well i'm actually getting a return somewhat or i'm actually like even like writing payments because some people just want to like you know feel that they're helping me network itself and that, i think that's a really cool thing because it's kind of like a very like distributed and open access thing where like you know unlike, unlike the internet basically anyone can come on on content there and put on channels and like usually can start to wrap payments themselves which is really cool and also while we're talking about managing your channels you could also talk about uh we can also talk about the fees of those channels and so mm, yeah. I, I guess we're starting to see some slightly more advanced thinking around that also where perhaps mm-hmm. in the past it was just people would just leave the default fees but exactly. now we're starting to see a little bit more around manual management of those fees so mm-hmm, for example mm-hmm. i've seen um ln big who's a well-known uh routing uh well he runs multiple routing nodes along yeah, the like network 20 or something yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they've, they're like big channels and lots of you know liquidity and so on. And mm-hmm. I've seen he has been saying I'll charge the fees depending on how well balanced that channel is. So if it's not balanced totally. at all, I'll charge a higher fee. But if it mm-hmm. is well balanced, then I'll charge a lower fee. So can mm-hmm. you just comment a little bit around um, what your view is in terms of Lightning Network channel fees? Yeah, totally. I, mean, I think it's definitely good if people are actually like now starting to like experiment with their fees because otherwise, like you know, like we, we kind of like start things at the bottom. Like obviously, that's, that's not gonna like that's not gonna like you know uh, persist forever because like people actually at one point need to kind of like take into account kind of like their cost of capital, also kind of like operational costs themselves too. Because otherwise, like you know, no one's gonna do anything for free in perpetuity. Like they actually need to get some return. But I think it's really good that we're seeing people kind of like you know experiment with the fees somewhat. Like, so something I'm big, I'm big, just like interested because like you know, one thing that you can do like basically people like modifying their fees at the writing level can actually like inform people like actually doing uh, client side writing because like for example, like you know, I, I maybe like wouldn't take that like high fee route because. Because, like you know, it was unbalanced, so that kind of like, gives you know, kind of like, clients like as far as pathing wise additional information that makes you like as far as like, what they're doing. One thing we've seen as well, like you know, one thing that like so we run something called like Lightning Loop, which lets you kind of like you know move funds in and out of the network, and like that's typically if you're going to receive more or send more kind of like, company channel. One thing we've seen there's kind of like a pretty like dedicated group of like actual people that are like, kind of like you know realizing that Loop is like a, like, a fairly big kind of you know um you know uh like generator of like flow in the network itself. And they're really like specializing into like kind of like you know specialize all of their channel placement to basically make sure like Loop actually works in the kind of like the system itself. So we're seeing the kind of like an optimized channel placement to basically make sure they're actually earning money. I think someone, one of them tweeted like maybe they earned like you know, thirty dollars, uh, you know, in a month basically because like they were kind of like they're helping us like actually serve the volume. I think I think it's interesting because it's kind of like a multi-sided like marketplace or even kind of like you know like this like a uh, little more complex like actual um you know, arena because like you have like us who kind of like maybe like you know receiving a lot of payments or like having this float. Another individual kind of like you know, can detect uh, one of the things like you, you know you know kind of like detect like.
like uh, if you have like an imbalance flow to actually like you know put more capital in a particular direction. So I think people are getting a lot more kind of like you know advanced more like uh, you know advising things. I mean that's great because otherwise like we definitely want them to be to be self sustaining. So otherwise like you know long term people aren't really earning like money out for routing. Not really going to do it itself. But I think it's the thing where you definitely have to be like very careful as far as like, capital placement like management also kind of compete schedules. So otherwise you maybe you'll kind of like over over allocate your capital and like you can actually put it elsewhere and have a much better time. But um, yeah. Basically, people have to think a little bit about where which direction they're placing their channels so that they are more Bitcoin capital efficient. And so theoretically, you want to open a channel in the direction that you believe the flow is going towards. So if you know somebody is setting up a new store and it's going to be a really popular store, well, you want to open channels in that way so that you can collect routing fees. Uh, exactly. And as you mentioned, there's a little bit more going into the thought around that. So would you say... Like routing fees right now, they they need to rise basically. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we, we see them kind of like rising successfully. I think one thing we're seeing as well, like people are actually kind of like, you know, using like the actual, the actual utilization of their, their channel as far as like actually if it's riding to kind of like, you know, give signals if to basically they should put more capital or not, right? So for example, if I have a channel that gets maybe like, I open the channel, gets depleted almost immediately. Okay, maybe yeah, that's really good because now I have like a signal that, okay, well, if I open the channel, it's actually going to be used for routing, routing um, you know, in general versus like opening elsewhere. So um, so I think they'll rise over time. I still think they'll still rise. I think the other thing as well, like, you know, which we'll see maybe like, you know, a little bit, a little bit in the future because like, you know, that's probably necessarily the case where it's like, it's going to be like be a factor somewhere to come like on chain fees levels themselves, right? So like, you know, if chain fees are very, very high, maybe like routing fees come up somewhat, but I would see that maybe like there'll still be kind of some equilibrium where you would expect still like, you know, certain certain payment types to always be cheaper on lightning itself. So I think as like, you know, chain fees rise a little more, like depending on what's going on there, I think it definitely informs like the marketplace as far as like, what people are doing on lightning itself. I think also just like, you know, if people like have, you know, very, very like, high active channels, maybe they, they feel like so they need to like actually raise, raise the fees less because maybe like now they're getting like higher volume as well too. And I think one other thing we'll see as well, like, you know, maybe in the future, like maybe maybe we'll have kind of like distinct networks or maybe like, you know, not networks, maybe there's any kind of like subnets or different, different apologies as far as the different payment sizes. Like maybe maybe like there'll be like a group of retinos that really like maybe like small payments. Maybe they do like you know, one satoshi, like hundred satoshi, something like that. But maybe there are other retinos, maybe like a little bit larger. And they they only prefer like larger payments. One of the things, well, like you know, in the network, like nodes can actually kind of like uh, set limits on like the like the minimum, the sorry, the smallest and large payments that we're going to set at a given point. So I can say, okay, well, my nodes are only for like you know, large payments. I won't even accept any small payments as well. So I think we're seeing that a little bit in the network right now. I think the good thing is I can like you know, assuming like we have a relatively intelligent client as far as that thing, you should be able to kind of like navigate that like you know network. To basically like find exactly like what it's like sub corridor or like subgraph you should be using to extend the payments most, most efficiently. Wow, okay. Um, and so a couple of things there. So it's like over time, uh, as we see a lot more people join Bitcoin, we're going to see more congestion in terms of the block space market for on-chain fees. And mm-hmm. then that will kind of have this interesting dynamic in terms of what is the impact in terms of lightning routing fees because exactly. lightning node operators have to calculate or at least account for the mm-hmm. on-chain fees of opening mm-hmm. and closing channels. Now, mm-hmm. there's some level of opportunism there, right? Like a lightning node operator can wait until on-chain fees are low to try and mm-hmm. open channels. Uh, yeah. But there'll be some in cases where maybe they need to quickly close a channel, even if the fees are high, and that's where they're just going to have to basically cop the fee and pay it. Uh, but then that will all factor into uh, the lightning, the routing fees. Um, and exactly. One other thing I'm curious there, it's kind of, there's going to be this funny dynamic over the next, well, let's say, if we really zoom out and we think over the next you know, five or 10 years, there's going to be this funny dynamic where a lot of people w- might not feel the need to try to use Lightning until on-chain fees get high. Just like how <clears throat> exchanges, maybe they didn't have, an, some of them didn't have an incentive to get SegWit until mm-hmm. the fees went higher, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of this exactly. funny game of like, once it gets really expensive, then people will look for the alternatives. Um, exactly. But then over time, you know, smart engineers such as yourself will find ways to basically pack in more for less 
and then that will kind of bring it back down. So this kind of like this exactly sort of yeah yeah it's effect, like, right? Yeah, it's effect, basically like you know people kind of like utilize the uh, like the resources like the medium a little more like intensely, then we can make it a little more efficient. They have like you know demand goes up, we make it more efficient. It's kind of like this like you know ongoing battle of that uh, in that kind of like regard. I mean, similar to what you're saying, like to my knowledge, we can see like nice hash. One of the reasons they added like you know actually like um, you know payoffs like deposits and like withdrawals and like that to their system that people were kind of like you know actually demanded it because the people say okay, well you know I'm maybe like a small scale miner, I'm getting like a twenty dollar payout, maybe like you know eating maybe like you know twenty twenty percent of that to fees or whatever else. So I think it's another thing. Well, like I think we maybe we'll see like other individuals like actually on customer basis like demand the service basically adopt lightning because maybe the customers are basically bleeding out too much on-chain fees so it's really cool dynamic where it's kind of okay well you know people will move to like whatever service they feel like they would service them uh you know as far as their fee level and we'll also kind of like have this like different uh dynamics as far as the system adjusting and like you know making getting more efficient and also managing kind of like you know adjusting with all that with all those factors at the same time Fantastic. And so in order to make that work as well, so even in that example where NiceHash want to do lightning payouts, mm-hmm. I guess the interesting thing there is most of, well, most of the flow is going in one way, right? So it would be going from the mining pool to the miner. And so then we have to start thinking about, well, what is the, like, if they've got channels open or, you know, or they're just going to be paying out to miners, then most uh-huh. of the time, they're going to be pushing money away from themselves. So they're exactly. going to have to do a lot of swapping in and out in order to make that viable. And perhaps that's where something like Loop comes in. So can you tell us a little bit about Loop and um, how that would help in that kind of scenario? Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, basically what you're saying is like, you know, in the ideal case, it's going to be like 50-50. That's kind of like what our like ideal, like, you know, theoretical lightning network is. Basically, like you're sending receiving the exact same amount that, that you're, you, you have coming in. So therefore, everything's kind of like, you know, fully balanced. Like, so one other thing with NiceHash, I think they actually also like offer, you know, actually people like purchasing hash rate over lightning itself. So I think they have some additional. So I think they're probably the majority, maybe like, you know, sending out basically doing a deposit. I think they also kind of like have some deposits on their end, basically like, you know, people sending money to them because they want to actually buy some hash rate. So like, I understand like one thing basically Loop does, like you basically view Loop is kind of like, uh, like, you know, it's, it's almost like, like a release valve or kind of like an ability to actually like, you know, like remove water or like money because like, i think of like you know it's kind of like a series of like you know money issues basically so remove funds from the network or kind of like you know re re them in the other in the other sense right so like i think it's nice like in that case like they're actually sending a lot, lot more you know fund out to themselves so at one point they basically won't be able to kind of like actually send out anymore so what they can do they can actually kind of like have you know coins the coins can even basically be purely cold source do something we call like loop in basically it's basically add more funds into their channel basically and what they do they kind of like send us like it's kind of like a special like hlc contract on chain we basically send them uh, an hlc you know over to their end on their node and then once they pull the hlc they basically get those funds now they would send more and then we, we get those other funds ourselves so it's also kind of like it's also like you know very transparent it's trustless too it's like one way people use it the other way that people use it commonly is like you know basically in the other direction so someone's actually receiving a lot of money like over the network itself maybe they're showing like fold or maybe like you know they can't or else just doing mercy deposits at one point basically all the channels are going to get filled up because now they can't really receive any more on their end so what they need to do at that point they basically need to like send out the, those funds back back on chain the cool thing about this because like you know like they can actually use it to also kind of like minimize the amount they actually have in like any given time because like it looks like they have every single day every single day they can actually like send the money out you know from the channels into like on-chain, on-chain address, like they have that be cold. So Loop is basically kind of like it's you know some people call it like a trust is like on off-chain bridge. It's also kind of like a like kind of like a release valve to actually like you know put more uh, coins or like less coins in the network itself. Because otherwise, like you know, because we don't have that perfect fifty-fifty, we feel like it's going to be necessary uh, you know, for a bit of time. I see. So perhaps summarizing that, Loop is a way that you can bridge on and off-chain, uh, and part of the benefit is that you can keep those channels open for longer without having to do what's called channel churn, right? Like closing exactly. and reopening a channel. Exactly, exactly. And so yeah. then... I guess just summarizing it then, if you are the kind of person who does a lot more payments than receiving money, then you care about having loop in, right? So that means you would make a Bitcoin on-chain payment to this Mm -hmm. loop server and then Mm -hmm. receive lightning money. And now you can pay again. 
Um, yeah, so yeah. I guess that's, so that would be like I'm a retail individual and I want to do some spending with Lightning, um, and I'm and I'm got my balance down to zero or whatever. Um, in that as well as in my local balance is going down low and I need more because I want to spend more. Well, then I can pay a little bit on chain to receive more Lightning balance. And then, uh, as I understand you, then the other way around is loop out, and that would be obviously the the reverse. So let's say I am a merchant, I'm receiving lots of money. And then all my channels are now um, starting to be full on my side, i.e. my local balance is becoming very high and my remote balance is getting very low. So this is kind of a way to, I guess, flush it out and mm-hmm. get more capacity, right? Exactly. And like one of the cool things about Loop is that we're actually able to do kind of like a combination of basically both like on and off-chain batching. So basically on-chain batching is like, you know, whenever we're actually doing any transactions, we'll try to like, you know, bundle different, different customers together basically so they see that happening to be like one, you know, kind of like a giant transaction. This is good for us because like, you know, we basically want to spend less money on chain fees and this is good for them too because now they actually spend you know, less money, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, doing any swoops themselves. Like one of the things like basically like the combination of like Loop and MPP is like really, really cool because like, for example, like let's say like, you know, I wanted to basically use something that wasn't Loop. I would maybe have to like close, like let's say I have like, you know, new channel I want to open and then I would have to close those end channels all in one. I basically use MPP basically like you know uh i can like effectively like rebalance like end channels or kind of like you know re- uh, offload like maybe like even like refill them or cut them off because he went on to interaction itself so like, let's, let's say like you know let's say we return back to basically the case we loop in let's say i'm like kind of like a company that's maybe like doing community like sending out to other people maybe i'm like actually like selling you know bitcoin and lightning like you know they give me the dollars i give them um you know actually like on the, on the network itself one thing we can do they can actually like do a loop in transaction and then rather than like you know just send the money back to themselves they can actually like you know create like n different destinations and basically send those like n different payments to other other individuals and then send the money back to themselves so because you can you can kind of actually like split up the HLC into so many pieces. You basically have this like level of di- this like additional level of batching. You basically you can batch on chain, but also kind of like you know, batch off chain. Basically, like you know, in one loop transaction, you can basically affect n transactions. Sorry, n channel, which is another kind of like, you know, like fourth multiplier. This has uh, which is really cool. Yep. So as I understand you there, you're talking essentially about a massive efficiency gain. So in that example, I might have okay. So if we're talking in the loop in example, I might mm-hmm. have or maybe the loop out example is better. But anyway, loop yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I guess so. That what that means is I might have lots of channels and I can refill all of them with one on-chain fee. Um, exactly. In the loop exactly. In. And yeah. then in the loop out case, it's I'm a merchant and let's say I've got like twenty channels incoming uh-huh. to me, and mm-hmm. I've exhausted the incoming capacity, and I want to kind of flush it all back out in all of those channels mm-hmm. with. And so if we're kind of comboing loop with mpp multi-part payments then you can flush it all back out in one transaction and so you can get a lot more chain efficiency for that right Exactly. It's, it's like a really cool thing. Kind of like you know, like, I guess one of the things like I guess is really cool. Kind of something like Bitcoin. Kind of like you always try to like drive that like next level of efficiency, basically. And like okay, we realize okay, well you know we can kind of like add like this additional dimension. So I think it's really cool effect. Like you know, just kind of like like running to basically obstacles and problems. You can like you know, find something that's a lot more than more than like that more more efficient. This is really cool because we can actually also kind of like orchestrate like across like n different users as well. So basically, like, you know, we can actually have a one transaction maybe actually services swaps or you can say maybe like you know hundred different channels basically hundred hundred different individuals. So just kind of like you know packing like more you know it's basically like pack more transactions onto a single byte. That's kind of like what's it's all about with all, what's lightning, lightning all about, like loop, you know, MPP, things like that as well. Basically, like, you know, having the most efficient, like, utilization of the chain as possible. And then from there on, we kind of, like, you know, have different effects as we make it more efficient. We have a keyboard demand, things like that, too. But I think it's one of, like, really cool uh, tech in the system itself. Kind of, like, you know, just, like, having these, like, effectively, like, these, like, this, like, leverage in a sense of, like, you know, one transaction and actions. And that's a really cool uh, trade-off there. Yeah. And so for listeners who want to use loop, what's, what are some of the ways that they can do that? Is that through lightning terminal or what's the best way to, to use it? 
Oh uh, yeah, definitely depends on kind of like you know their competency or like exactly like what they're doing. Obviously, terminals like really easy way because like terminal like that's the cool thing about it. It's, it's kind of like it's like one buyer that packages like L and D loop. You know, some other tools that we're working on as well, and they kind of like the UI on one. So like, if you you definitely need kind of like a like a visual, you're kind of like more like GUI type of thing. That's that's one way to do. It. Otherwise, you can actually download the actual buyer individually. But like right now, for anyone that's like getting into it, like right now, I definitely recommend terminal because it's a lot easier because it kind of like gives you the ability to like maybe like you know select it, select like your intel they actually want to loop out to. And in the future, we're working on the final kind of like automation base because like have the automation. Like let's say like someone like you know I want I want to be to like receive you know 10 10 bt at any given time you know from like 3 to 9 pm we can then we can then kind of like set up what's like like honda basically do loops in the background basically make sure the user or like you know the merchant the user always always able to come like you know have whatever threshold they need either to be able to receive and send more money so it's a really cool thing as far as kind of like you know i mean it's one thing we're definitely working on as well it's kind of like you know making all this stuff a lot more automated in the future because ideally right now maybe people have to think about it somewhat but like we're then kind of like you know gathering like a feedback that we get from the customers using also kind of like other companies and actions basically like optimize a lot a lot more like have a lot more intelligent automation maybe you know test the preferences to the system and the system is able to carry those out effectively actually just do it so it's a little more set and forget it's like you know so it's kind of the thing where it's like we're trying to get set and forget thing we're not quite there it's definitely kind of like, a, like an uphill battle but we're getting there a lot more progressively through getting more advanced so i'm like really looking forward to like when it's a little more you know just like straightforward people like you know uh, come in system start like receiving some money uh, and that's definitely a dream and so in terms of the fees for loop in and loop out can you comment a little bit on that on how that pricing works Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like it's a, like a variable set of fees. So one thing we do, we actually give people like a discount if they're if they're willing to kind of like wait a little bit longer because they, like for example, like let's say we have like one loop in customer, like you know, ideally we can basically service them like at that particular point. But like let's say we basically okay, well if you want to wait thirty minutes, we basically like bundle you with that individual. It's a good for us because then we're able to actually like do uh, you know on time badging to like make sure those two individuals are basically all on the same track itself. So like you know if you want to like a fast swap, maybe it's going to cost you a little more. But if you want to like a slow swap, then like basically the slow swap is good for us because it basically allows us to aggregate more individuals onto one single entry transaction itself. Right. But right now you know the fee kind of like varies based on kind of what's going on chain was a different time as well as or whatever else so we can have like have like a range the range is typically i think it's from from um excuse me from like you know uh, like five basis points to um around like you know like 40 or so depending on like what's going on in the chain because like we also want to kind of like you know uh, make sure that we can incentivize like people like you know doing loops for example on areas where it's going to cost like cost like less change fees, right so maybe it's a case where maybe like you know we'll give you a quote maybe the quote on monday is actually more expensive than the quote on sunday because like you know what we see we basically see like you know, over time like some like very circle thing where typically like you know chain fees are much lower on the weekends right so we, so we if we can like incentivize individuals to actually go on the weekends we can actually get Given the lower price because it's rust because they were actually spending less chain fees. It's kind of like a dynamic thing because, like we we're saying, like you don't need to keep into account like what's going on in the chain and then kind of like these like optional on chain services. So, one thing we do, we kind of like look at the chain, we look at what's going on, we also basically then the goal is to try to promote batching on our end because it's better for the user and also better for us. And it's better for the user too because like there's also like just less chain production in the news and also kind of like intermingle with other, other people in interacting to have some other nice properties. Yep. So, essentially, it varies on some factors such as the chain conditions at the time, as in the block space market at that time, and also whether that user is willing to wait for batching because obviously batching will be more efficient on both sides if you can on your side batch it across Mm -hmm. multiple customers and do it Mm -hmm. all in one as -hmm. opposed to um, for each individual customer, but obviously it depends on uh, that person's time preference as well. Exactly, um, yeah. I think yeah. it's one of those important things. Like whenever you're talking about fees or you know talking about any sort of like on-chain activity, it's all about your time preference basically. And like the things like you know, if, if users are willing to kind of like have a longer time preference, like you wait a little longer, we can we kind of reward them with basically a discount at the fee level as well too. So it's okay if you want to wait longer, it's good for us. And then we'll also kind of you know, give you some of the uh, savings that we get from that too. So uh, and that, that's always the major thing. Like you know, how long are you willing to wait? Do you need it now? If you need it now, well maybe you have got to pay a little more. If not, we can kind of like, you know have you along like twenty other people and like do, give it do cheaper obviously like for that future yeah and the other i guess the other example could also be if you are just starting a new store and Mm -hmm. you fund it with some bitcoins um, Mm -hmm. but you need incoming capacity 
And so <laughs> you might open some channels and then do a loop out to now have incoming, incoming capacity. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like one of the cool things with that, like something we realized in the past, I think we, I think we call it like a loop-de-loop you know, internally. It's like, you know, so let's like I, I open channel and basically do a loop out, right? From those coins, I can then take those coins and loop out, use that to basically open another channel and then loop that out. And they can keep continuing that effectively. So I'm kind of like, you know, stringing this capital around in like circles effectively. But at the same time, like the money is still like moving around the network. But basically like gives you kind of like the ability, maybe like, you know, open channel one BTC and eventually get maybe like three or four BTC as inbound because you're kind of like, you know, repeatedly doing these loops. Um, that's another kind of like uh, the cool thing that isn't super used yet, but it's kind of like, kind of like shows some of the, uh, you know, interesting capabilities once you start to compose these things together. Yep. Uh, and with the use of you know lightning labs loop how does that compare with say other services i guess there are some that might use what what is more like the the trusted swap in or trusted swap out how, mm-hmm. how do how does your one compare Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good question because obviously you can kind of like do it where like you know I give you the Bitcoin, you give me like a channel or whatever else. And, like so it's something that we definitely try, try like shy away from as a company. We typically try to make everything we do because like have it be you know purely non-custodial. That's really good for us because like you know the user has control of their funds at all times. There's kind of like less liability than us. And then we also never have the ability to kind of like you know like you know move the user funds on, on in any regard, right? So I think the difference there is like you know it's just a matter of like if users are comfortable, with, maybe people are a little more comfortable with kind of like you know doing like smaller amounts with, with trusted swaps. We just always try to make it you know basically uh, trusted as possible, just to make sure we kind of like minimize like any type of risk on, on either end of a thing. And I guess the difference as well, too, from those that, like, you know, like they're all kind of like operating at like different levels of scales. Like, one thing we've seen this year, we, we can really start to kind of like, you know, scale up with the service, kind of like having a lot more volume. And then, you know, as we know, I think people are kind of like noticing, like, you know, the node is helping doing a lot more volume, kind of like attracts more random operators themselves, which basically, basically means that we can do more volume, which basically kind of like has different cycles. Like, you know, as, we, as we're kind of like scaling up, people are recognizing, okay, well, well, like, you know, that's a really good note because they're actually doing a bunch of routing. They allocate more capital to us. We kind of like utilize the capital and it's kind of like a cycle, of like, you know, this kind of like growth of the system uh, itself. And, um, but yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and while we're speaking about channels, uh, I've seen some mention of channel acceptor policy. Can you just outline what that is? How would it, how would it work? Uh, yeah, yeah, super good question. So like, you know, I was just talking about in the past, like you know, it's definitely a little bit better kind of like have like a like healthier set of like, you know, like high quality channels. Like, you know, right now, like um, you know, the default for any like lightning node, like you even be on that lease, basically just to accept every single channel that you have incoming, which is like kind of like a like simple thing to do, because you can say, okay, well, you know, like they're actually putting money towards me. I'm, I don't really have any cost, and maybe like everything's fine. But like things like, you know, you may have a cost in the future that actually like uh, the channel gets routed through somewhat, you actually need like you know, those funds on chain eventually that things well, like you know, like not every node basically is created equal, right? So certain nodes are kind of like have like higher QTs, maybe like have like the better connector or whatever else. So the channel acceptance is basically like the ability to like you know uh, like accept and deny any channel that comes in. And then that criteria can be arbitrary. It can be okay, well you're not Wumbo. It can be you know you only have three channels. It can be okay, well you, you don't have enough capacity. It can be um, you know like you're not connected to other individuals. So basically, people can like now like be a little more selective about their their um, their channels. So if you, you, you kind of see like okay, well if you see maybe there's kind of like a button of capital in the network itself, you basically want to select kind of like the best capital to like you know add to your little portfolio because I like, think the portfolio is like you know, a little bit more healthier. That basically means you can wrap more uh, wrap a lot more a lot more effectively. And so essentially, it means as a node operator you can be more selective about who opens channels with you you might say i want a minimum balance in that channel or i want you Mm -hmm. to be running a certain type of node Uh, does it also allow um conditions in terms of things like well i don't know maybe this is getting more into like boss scoring but does it also (laughs) allow things like uptime and things like that uh, good question. I mean, it's so like, you know, the API is something like very flexible. So like, you know, I could like, first say like, you know, like, let's say I have a node come in, I could like create other, some, some other thing or I can even like compute a score. So one of the things where I think eventually people will maybe usually basically like, you know, have a lot more computation of like maybe historical scores or kind of like other node activity. So like the, the API itself is kind of like, you know, it's like, it's like a, there's a new channel. Do you want to accept it or not? It doesn't really kind of like, you know, limit you as far as like what your acceptance criteria originally is. So therefore your acceptance criteria can basically be anything. So I can say, okay, well, I only accept nodes that have like a even number of the last, you know, hex digit of their, of their, their pub key, right? 
it can be that it can be that arbitrary, or it can be okay. Well, I only accept nodes that are at least two years old that have one one BTC in capital that are connected to this and this and this that have a score of this that I like you know have this particular centrality. So you can, can get really really advanced. I think like we'll tend that like tend that a little bit more because nodes like you know I mean so I think it's thing like what we're saying as well like people want to basically keep their channel open for a long time because like the long time kind of like you know shows like a level kind of like a level of like reliability. Also, there's also kind of like you know kind of like some of like Lindy effect there as well where there's, well you know this this individual have like a node for two years basically all the times like one one and a half years old they're gonna kind of like sure like kind of like really commit to the system itself they can like maybe use that to, to extrapolate as far as the quality of the node in the future someone might be concerned and say well hang on does this mean this is how lightning network gets permission because maybe mm. it's hard for you to run you know your node because now mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. people might be really um selective in how they mm-hmm. accept channels and now it's hard mm-hmm. for the individual to set up their own lightning node and now it becomes yeah, yeah. kind of all big well-known gateways and things obviously that's a bit of a theoretical and i'm kind of exaggerating a little bit but uh-huh, how are uh-huh. you thinking about that kind of um that idea of kind of balancing off the ability for anyone to be able to you know use lightning but also having giving people the ability to be more selective about who they accept channels with oh yeah super good question i mean so i, I think it's i think it's kind of like going like different tiers that maybe like you have like you know t1 t2 t3 similar like like, like basically with the isp working there right well you can say okay you can, like from a higher series like individuals that are like you know kind of like the backbone of the network itself and maybe you have kind of like other uh nodes that maybe like a little more kind of like you know a little more they're kind of like roads kind of like you know connecting you know intersecting rails they maybe have like different paths i think i think it's gonna like be kind of like a gradual scale up where, like you know you, you probably like can't go from like zero to like you know one bow mega node basically right? you, can, you kind of need to work you work your way up maybe so maybe initially you kind of like connect to other nodes that maybe are like at your similar like level of like a score rails kind of like progressively like you work your way up to um things going on there the other things are like you know this, this something actually isn't real it's not built protocol right so like, there's no kind of like you know whitelist blacklist and protocol itself or, or whatever else there's basically just people like you know adding additional tooling basically like allow them to basically set my channels i think the other thing which is maybe a little unsure is like you know um there's certain class of attacks that you can launch by kind of like you know massively like you know opening like you know a widespread number of channels in the network itself and one way you can come like you know um guard, guard against that pretty effective is okay you can say okay well i only accept channels from, like a node that maybe is like you know a, like at least a few months old and has a number of channels you can like reduce the ability for someone to kind of, like basically like you know rapidly like gain like control of the network as far as like, having a bunch of connectivity so definitely a trade-off there like you know i guess i i don't think it's gonna be like something where it's gonna be fully permission because like once again it's always optional i think that will, that will always be kind of like an ability for individuals to kind of like you know work their way up as far as like getting from like kind of like zero to here because obviously no one's gonna like you know be you know like an alex bosworth you know type like they're not very beginning <laughs> you know they, yeah. they gotta work their way up kind of get, get like get some, get, get some credibility you know, kind of like you know the different like confidence and then they kind of like you know work the way up to get to be better known so if you want to be a lightning hero, you got to slowly start. You got yeah. to start one yeah, step exactly. at a time and work yeah, your way yeah. up. It's like yeah, you, you know, you got to be like on Twitter, you got to be on Slack, you got to kind of like work your way up, kind of like ask some questions. But like I think progressively people get a lot, people get a lot better because I think we're just kind of like probably like a group of like maybe like like maybe 400 or so radios, which, which we kind of like Mario would been there from the start. We kind of like consider those kind of like the like top tier of the network right now, which maybe that's like, maybe around that's, that's around like like four or five percent of the network, which we, which we consider like really really good. I think we, we definitely want like you know grow that over time. It's something that we watch is kind of like what we call like the strong set. Uh, of the network itself that we kind of like want to monitor and make sure people like you know connect connect to them but also like make sure we can grow that over time by giving people the tooling and education necessary to eventually like you know rise up and be you know like what is effectively like a transportation uh you know provider in the network itself it's really pretty cool thing because like like, unlike you know like building roads that we can basically add channels instantly right and there's very like low cost compared to like you know construction like materials overall so it's kind of thing where you can kind of like you know very like rapidly adapt the network in terms of like where the actual demand is most needed as far as like what people are writing to and also kind of like you know what the variance barrier to entry is which i think will always remain low if you have a computer and some Bitcoin, you can definitely do the network and actually start routing payments yourself. Speaking to that as well, or to that idea of good Lightning node operators, can you tell us a little bit about updates in terms of BOS scoring? 
Uh, def, def. Yeah, so something that, like, uh, you know, it's something that we haven't officially announced, but, like, I think we kind of like, talk about a little bit more. It's, like, it actually started, like, a while back. Initially, we were kind of, like, working on, working on, like, the mobile application, which we don't, we don't really do as much anymore. But basically, the question was, okay, like, you know, how can we, like, supplement autopilot to, kind of, like, you know, what's, like, you know, real-time information? Like, you know, right now, autopilot basically looks primarily at, kind of, like, you know, the static network as far as the graph, uh, you know, graph capabilities, things like, you know, diameter, centrality, I can basically, like, you know, look at the graph itself. The thing is, like, you know, just because you have a lot of channels in the graph, maybe, like, you know, you, you look effectively well connected, doesn't mean you're actually able to actually effectively write channels in the real time, right? So basically, boss score is about, like, actually like adding a little bit more kind of like you know real time navigating information into kind of like the function itself so what it's doing is kind of like you know looking at like your node looking at the policies looking like how how frequently you send channel updates you know what's your uptime and nothing does it as well it actually it starts like um it can also kind of like you know simulate certain payment flows. So it's actually going to like actually try to like wrap through your nodes to basically see like you know is it able to actually um you know like walk the walk right. So things like you know your node can look good on paper. Oh, you have like 10, 10 BTC. You're connected to who and who and whatever else. But like you know if you can actually wrap things effectively, that's what Boss Course is actually trying to do. It's kind of like you know, actually like you know get like what are like the real nodes like you know ignore the pretenders basically who maybe aren't like quite there yet uh, itself. So something like you know we're definitely like working on kind of like developing a lot more. We had kind of like had this like a recent mailing list where we kind of like you know show people like what basically like where they were on the list. But obviously like one thing people always ask okay well you know how can I improve my score right. You know, they see like I'm not on the list, and I got the list. You know, it's kind of like trying to get to, like, some like exclusive club or something, right? So we're definitely working on <laughs> like you know, like giving people like the tooling and kind of also make it a lot more transparent, basically like allow people to actually see what's going on there. And I obviously, think like you know, ideally, like this should be like the entire network, ideally. But it's obviously, it's a little thing where like people kind of, kind of like some of the knowledge maybe some of the tools will be concentrated in a few nodes. Him, we definitely want like make that a lot more easy to like you know rise up and actually like you know be able to like evaluate your node. I also think I also think you know people would definitely like also have their own other rating system in the future as well. I think we're just kind of like the first to recognize okay, well we need some. some have like rating system basically like you know separate like what or no is actually effective we know that maybe you just kind of like just sit there it'll be like you know there's gonna be some individuals that start to take a lot more seriously once, once more money is actually available and this is something that we can actually usually like, some monitor over time also maybe you can recommend other individuals maybe like new business or whatever else okay connect to these nodes these nodes are actually pretty good and we actually like you know better them somewhat so uh, it's like over time the boss scoring might help people who want to use autopilot so they if they want to be more like a casual node operator they can kind of rely a bit more on the boss scoring i guess rather than them manually doing things is that partly uh, how it might work yeah, yeah i mean basically like you know you can basically view like kind of like the boss scores like can be like no race it's kind of like you know looking at like the real-time activity because like you know someone can like look like they're a good node like with the latest version like blah blah like you know they're actually writing effectively it's not really gonna help that as much so i basically like i would view it's kind of like it's like one part of the equation you definitely want to kind of like you know have other things like actual you know kind of like raw policy actually looking at that itself i think it's kind of like more supplementary thing so you look at kind of like what the actual activity what's going on is i think it's like it's also like very very dynamic you basically be like well maybe like the current like network topology doesn't doesn't really change too much like you know in order for it to change you basically require change and that can take a lot of time. Also, can be relatively expensive. While the boss score can basically change, you know, from the hour, or like you know, or even the day, whatever else. Like you know, if there's like big big disturbance, or maybe like if, if alert node goes down pretty rapidly, it's going to actually react that because it's also you know basically doing like active network probing, basically kind of like see what the current map of the network actually is. So it's, it's definitely like a lot more kind of like dynamic and real time system versus maybe someone like looking purely at the graph, which maybe because I feel like kind of people maybe typically look at okay, well, you know, that node has a lot of channels, it's going to be really good, but that's not necessarily true. You know, I can have a thousand channels, but I can basically just like have my node in the you know, in like my closet and I never touch it basically, and I'm not really going to be you know, that writing. Uh, one other thing I saw from the documentation was uh, this concept of HTLC interception. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what might it be used for? Oh uh, yeah, it's super cool. So that's something like you know we we talked about like a while back. Like we always kind of like have these like concepts internally, then we maybe like make an issue. But like the, this company like Breeze, they kind of like have like a pretty popular wall made made only they actually made. So basically, the idea is that like you know like whenever nodes like writing a network or sorry writing a, writing actual HTTP network, whenever they get they whenever they get an incoming HTTP, they kind of like run into the other policies to kind of like decide okay well you know who do I forward this to right? So HTTP interpreting basically like about like allowing an individual basically like suspend the like forwarding flow of a network or sorry for like HTTP, then decide basically where to put it from there on. 
Like there are a few you know different use cases. Like one probably one of the biggest use case I think was kind of like mobile phones. For example, like, let's say like, you know one thing obviously right now in order for me to send a payment, I basically have to have my phone on the, the entire time. It has to be like fully safe responses. What box will I mean sorry what HLC internet must use? I can basically like have a node and maybe I designate it as kind of like a mailbox effectively. Like they basically have an HLC coming in. They hold it because they know it's destined for me. They notify me on my phone. Hey, like if you're ready, I can click OK. So then when I can send payment, right? So basically make things a little more easy. That's kind of like just like one use case, right? So basically the ability to like you know kind of like um you know preferentially like forward or like halt the uh, forwarding different HLCs up until like some other condition is met. So like, if, if you heard like HODL invoices, basically HODL invoices for kind of like, you know, people receiving payments, uh, HLC instruction basically for people like forwarding payments. That's like one different use case right there, but it has much other you know, things as well in the future uh, that people will start to get mess around with. Okay. So if I understand that, it's like, as an example, someone like Breeze, for example, the uh, provider of a lightning services and uh, mm-hmm. uh, run a, a wallet. So as an example, the user might be out and about and they might want to take a payment, but their phone is off at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then what happens is Breeze might be taking that incoming payment and using this HDLC interception, then it will then notify that person and that could just be like a notification on their phone, like a push okay. notification to exactly, then turn exactly. on their phone, turn open their Breeze wallet so that they can now receive the forwarded payment. And as I understand you, the, the technology or the concept being used underlying is the HODL invoice. And so that's this... Um, idea uh, that it's not exactly it? it's, it's more that like you know basically like uh so like what, what it works like anytime you get a payment forwarded like it basically is okay well should i forward it like automatically should i cancel it or should i settle it so it's, it's basically the ability to kind of like you know like uh halt kind of like the operation of the node to basically add your kind of like custom logic you basically do your kind of like like a middleware like layer basically where i can add kind of add like custom forwarding logic into lnd itself for example like you know let's say someone like wanted to have like a like brand new like writing protocol because right now we basically use like writing writing or search writing they can basically like add additional information into the payload and then intercept the hdlc and then put it basically some other writing network which maybe doesn't exist right now or maybe it's like you know some, some academic thing or whatever else and then like let, let it flow through then eventually like settle in that so basically it's similar to the invoice in that like you know quarter invoice is basically about like not immediately accepting a payment it's also even something basically not not about not immediately forwarding a payment and basically now i see doing immediately like, kind of like an interconditional logic in there to like decide what, what i should do with it versus something immediately forwarding immediately I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, well, I guess one criticism I've heard of that idea when I was chatting with um, some other Lightning developers is they might believe, well, they see it like that's locking up liquidity along the network. So what mm-hmm. do you think about that? Is that just locking it up at the end point or do you see that like, well, that's additional HDLCs across the network because that payment hasn't been released through yet, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, very good point. Because I, I, I guess the thing that people get, forget time like work is like, you know, like with HLC, like you, have, you always kind of like have the worst case delay of like the actual, like, you know, like tilt to be dealt, sorry, sorry, tilt to be of the HLC itself, right? So, like, and again, someone should basically be ready to basically, like, you know, always incur that worst case delay. So, like, it, like you know, something HLC in terms of basically holding language don't really make that worst case delay any worse. Maybe it makes it a little bit like less, com- like more common than what you're doing itself. But I mean, so one, one thing we definitely been working on, like, as far as like something in the protocol is basically we, we want to like have stuff that, like, you know, in order to actually even add an HLC to someone's commitment, you actually basically need to pay them. So I feel like if people are more able to like be effectively be compensated basically for the time value of Bitcoin on an ongoing basis, then I think they kind of like you know resolves a number of issues because like at that point it's okay. It's like okay, well you know you're basically leasing my coins out right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting compensation. It doesn't really matter. So I think you know we're definitely like missing some of like additional incentive. What, what I think you know, would kind of like make things thing a lot kind of like more cohesive. But I think we're definitely getting there, and we have a bunch of other ideas in that area as far as be, basically being able to make sure people are being compensated for the capital at all times versus only when you know they actually afford to be successfully, which is the case right now. Gotcha. Yeah. So I guess as I understand you there, it's saying, well, right now the Lightning Network rewards successful payments. And if somebody does a lot of this kind of HLC locking up 
they're not actually paying because if the unless the payment goes through and so it's kind of that challenge around um kind of locking up or jamming up other people's nodes or channels because it hasn't gone through yet and what you're speaking to there is around like what kind of incentive could be made to allow or give some incentive for the fact that you are locking up somebody's HCLCs on their channel because there's a limit on the number of HCLCs per channel, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what's also so it's basically kind of like trying to like you know it's basically like spam prevention, right? And like what what, what can we use for spam prevention? We can basically use lighting itself. So basically, like you know, let's say like a uh, different nodes, like let's say they kind of like you know, like enter into like some different like you know, critical stage and say, okay, well, in order for you for me to even forward a payment, I need like you know two percent of the payment upfront, right? And maybe like maybe that's like a negotiable rate. And so I think maybe we'll see some uh, in the future. Basically, we will kind of like you know require some sort of like prepay for for them for them to even before they actually even forward a payment, they basically need some of the actual like full payment up front itself and then it has some other issues because like maybe they can give it whatever else i think it's kind of like something we need to go towards eventually where like you know people need to be compensated you know for the issues of capital otherwise like incentives like you know won't, it won't last uh, effectively or we kind of like have some other just degenerate kind of like you know things that can be exploited by uh different network participants and i guess while we're on this topic of htlc forwarding and uh you know attacks on the lightning network i'm also curious to get your thoughts on some of those recent papers for example there was the flood and loot uh paper talking about i think sort of related to what we were talking about um mm-hmm. and uh, as i understand then uh so i spoke about this so listeners i spoke about this on the recent episode with christian decker as well okay. um but i'm curious what your thoughts are on flood and loot and these kinds of attacks around uh and how you know you think you're thinking of ways that lightning network may mitigate those kinds of things Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's not something that, like, you know, like, I guess what's lately around, like, it's not something that, like, it's like brand new to basically developers because, um, it's actually like something that was actually noted in the original Lightning Arc here as far as, like, you know, it's like people remember in the past, people had things like time to work because they were trying to, like, you know, stop kind of like the, uh, you know, attack of kind of like you know, people basically going to the scene at once. Like, it's not something that's new, but I think one of the cool things with Flow they kind of, like, you know, actually start to, like, formalize some of the actual attacks itself and also give us a lot more analysis as far as what's going on. So I think it's one of the things where, as well, where it's like, you know, um, it's, it's like, to one thing, like, I think there's definitely, like, a bunch of, bunch of different uses in the boards. Like, one thing is basically, like, you know, adding channel acceptance, right? Because basically, Flood and Loot at times require, like, some individuals basically, like, actually, like, you know, have these additional connections to the network and maybe, like, do so in like kind of like a, like a widespread manner. So we can like you know, like we, we can have like different mitigations to basically ensure people can't do that all at once and they can like you know add a thousand PC all at once basically because people are probably gonna do their limiting that helps out. Another thing that helps out is like you know one other thing with flood is that like you know kind of requires the ability for an individual to like not actually be able to get their HTLC into the chain at any point. So we have to think about anchor channels because like right now the way it's lightning you actually can't like update your feed once you do like a force closed broadcast you know until it gets into chain. So we have something called anchor channel which basically lets you do something called you know CPFP or, or child repair child payments repair actually bump up the fee on your transaction makes makes to make sure you can get get into the end of time. The other things well, like, you know, there's also kind of like a number of like, actual limits on channels itself. But I can say, okay, well, I only accept a max of like, you know, um, like million Satoshi like, HLC, like channels and like that, right? So I can actually kind of like, you know, limit, like, limit my exposure to basically make sure like someone actually can't like you know, go through and, uh, you know, actually do this all at once. And there's also kind of like additional things like prepay as well. So I think it's one of the things like, I think we, there's, there's no like one solution. Until that thing, there's kind of like a series of, like maybe like a bunch of solutions. You know, some of them basically get the base layer, some of them on the uh, kind of like optimal layer, some of the running layer, it basically makes, makes them a lot harder. But I think the main thing that you wanted to have is basically you want to like also make sure like the attack actually has some cost. I think right now, maybe some of the cost of the attack. You know, aren't like a high enough, maybe like a kind of like negligible, basically. But if you basically increase the cost of certain of these attacks, also like give it, give people the, the ability to actually either detect or maybe even mitigate some of these attacks, and then we'll, we'll be like in a lot better place. Yeah. So essentially, uh, a range of mitigations around things that can be done to make that kind of attack more costly or just less technically feasible. And some of those, as you mentioned, things like having channel acceptor policy, uh, the use of anchor outputs, uh, and uh, the limit. So, for example, limiting the number of 
HDLCs on a given exactly. uh, channel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And like, you know, there there are also kind of like, you know, base layer changes possible. For example, like one thing we talked about in the past is, okay, like the ability to like, kind of like maybe delay time locks if we felt like the, the blocks were like, you know, basically like overly certain high, high watermark. That stuff kind of like has other kind of like, you know, uh, issues because like we say, well, can someone then delay it indefinitely? It we'll, wouldn't we'll go on from there. So definitely like it's no, there's no like simple solution. It's also kind of like a more very like complex kind of a quest, uh, equation because like you know, there are all, all these other kind of like actors as well, do you, like or miners involved or not, like, you know, what's the current chain condition. I think the main thing we can basically like, you know, make sure we can actually do, mitigate these things as well several levels and also give people the ability to like detect what they're going on and also like, um, you know, otherwise, so. But yeah, I mean, it's one of the things where I think, you know, kind of like by like pinch pigeonhole principle, like, you know, if someone has like a thousand transactions, only two can get to the chain at any given point, some of them can't get it. So it's basically like, you know, how do you like actually do proper sequencing to make sure something like that, um, you know, can happen or either way, or you can actually, you know, have proper fee permits to basically express that you want your transaction to get it over someone else's. And I suppose it might be similar as well for people talking about, let's say, like a channel jamming attack or uh, like, say, um yeah, well, I guess for a channel jamming attack, that's probably another similar one where maybe you might uh-huh. restrict who connects with you, or how would that? How would you sort of think about uh, that? Yeah, I mean, so the one thing, so basically, like one thing we talked about in the past, like, so, so let's say right now, like what, thing, what that kind of requires like an individual basically open channel to you and kind of like you know maybe like you know exhausting all that uh, crashing channel instantly, right? So it's like you know, so one thing we can do we can actually kind of like you know when you get that to actually add some, like what they call kind of like flow control, well, similar like TCP, you kind of like you know start slow and then basically increase up. So I can say okay, well, you know, to start you with, you you, you, can, only, you, you can only have like you know five different HLCs on the HLC on the channel at a time. Maybe, like, you know, as it was settled, like, you know, everything goes, goes properly. Maybe I read that to 20, maybe then 25 as well. So I can kind of, like, you know, limit exactly, like, you know, how much you can utilize the channel. Because like, anytime you're routing towards me, I start to kind of, like, you know, put my capital somewhere else, basically, like, actually, you know, make the HLC link itself. So if I, if I kind of, like, you know, actually mitigate you to, like, for the beginning, and, like, you know, as you kind of, like, have, like, you know, quote unquote, big, good behavior, then slowly on, I kind of, like, ramp up the ability to for you to effectively utilize, utilize what's going on the channel. So basically, now that this prevents someone from maybe, like, opening, like, you know, down the channel, basically, like, you know, using all the, all the HLC slots at once, because maybe they have to, like, do a little more, kind of, like, a long range. Not really kind of like a long term attack, or maybe over several months, which definitely like, you know, a lot more, uh, you know, time and like energy or whatever else. Basically, they kind of like you know, need to like get up to like level what we think a good node is. So we can kind of like make it harder for someone to kind of like, you know, come to the network and basically like you know, might not find other resources. Because it's kind of a thing where it's like, okay, well, you know, if you're using my my like capital, you basically need, I need to make sure that like, you're kind of like, a good steward, basically. So we can have different things like that. Uh, and also, even at the automated level, um, some, some things are development, maybe something growing out here pretty soon as well. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, and also, uh, you were chatting a little bit about anchor output. So, could you tell us a little bit about that? What is an anchor output uh, and what's kind of the implications around fees? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, so basically, um, so one thing people know, like, uh, is that like, like whenever you get a co- cooperative closed channel, you can actually kind of like actually negotiate fees ahead of time because you, you can then kind of like say, I want five sides about you want ten sides about maybe we'll be in the middle of seven. But like one thing, one thing before anchor channel, like you can do like uh, whenever whenever we actually want to first close the channel, like the fee was actually committed ahead of time, so basically meaning you can adjust it all. So like, so this is like this is a really good thing. So like, let's say like so you can like close the time. Let, let, let's like you know you actually get the fees like when like the fees were very very low, maybe like three months ago or else, but right now they're very very high, right? So right now like you know if someone like launches something like this, you basically you wouldn't be able to actually bump, bump bump up a fee at all maybe that means you wouldn't actually get into the chain so when the anchor output says basically like add like two new outputs on like every single um on the channel itself basically like one for me and one for you basically and it's kind of like a very low amount basically like slightly above dust what this allows me to do i can basically use something called cpfp i can like broadcast the, broadcast the uh, actual um you know current transaction itself i can maybe even do so at like very very low fee maybe have like five sides by one side by whatever else and then like progressively i can basically use cpfp to bump it up over time basically this, this allows you for the first time to actually like you know increase the fee rate on your uh your hclc's and then also commitment transaction itself and just making this a lot safer now you can actually like you know bump your fee and it'll also let you actually pay like lower fees overall overall as well too so actually the ability to like actually control the fees whenever you need to do kind of like what is like a unilateral like force transaction which before wasn't really possible yeah so as i understand there it's like you 
will it will upfront cost more to open channels in an anchor outputs world but the benefit the plus side is that we can then change the fees and so i guess the question then is like do you think on net it'll be better for the network because people can change their fees more easily oh, totally it, compared to the current model yeah yeah I, mean, I think i think it's way better i mean like I, so I guess one thing like it doesn't actually cost more for you to open channel it costs more for me to you to maybe close the channel in certain cases but like, i think the one thing is like before like you kind of like had to like you know guess the future you basically have to like okay well in, in two months where i want to close maybe it's, it's gonna be like you know piece of time to buy and like if you got that wrong you basically have like you know very like you know bad outcomes right but in this case i can actually like maybe like have the fee, fee on my fee on my closing back and just be like you know what's right above like the relay fee because something like going to get demerit and then bump it over time so i think so i think overall people will pay less chain fees because they actually have like more control you know what, what's going on i think also it's also kind of very important for kind of like when people are actually forwarding HLC on the multi-op passion. Like, you know, if it's if like if you can't actually resolve you're not going HLC for the income going times out, you can actually like lose funds possibly because then like you know you kind of like have a race to all the different HLCs. But that, if you're not able to actually bump the fee over time and to actually you know get have better chance of getting the chain, like you, you maybe like it almost kind of like think about like okay, well you know how much am I going to pay to like you know settle like a 10 BC HLC whatever else going on right? So kind of like a different like uh, cost there. But I think it's definitely like a big step forward. I mean one of the things that we like, we kind of discovered like doing the process they actually like, kind of series of like very like sort of types the mempool things like they call it mempool mempool transaction pinning where someone can actually try like you know create like a very like long chain transaction like the transaction getting in we've like mitigated like many of them uh, many of the kind of like the actual um you know kind of like attack vectors but some of them actually only possible attack mitigate at the like you know mempool level itself into like bitcoin d obviously the difficult thing is that we don't really know what miners are running but if all miners just ran full rbf everything would be odd would be a lot easier for us we, we can just like kind of like you know uh assume that if we have like a higher fee things get in and it's kind of like a little bit like just uh easier like uh you know parameter wise also i saw some interesting discussion around upgrading channels so yeah. the idea is that we could upgrade the channel so i guess naively the the kind of the base level way you might be thinking is oh i've got to close my channel and reopen a new one and so exactly. but you had this idea of how we could potentially do this without actually closing and reopening and actually the two channel partners can agree to upgrade to a new style of channel Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, remember, like you know, we talked about. Because like, I guess one thing is like people that are now is like lighting is kind of like a volatile channel type a few times in the past. We recently kind of like had the OG type, and we had a start start remote key, and we're basically at, at, about to like add anchor outputs, right? But things like you know, many channels actually open like in very early days. We basically don't even have any of those two protections itself. So if things are otherwise, we want to maybe upgrade to like safer channel. They actually close the channels out. You know, close the channels which basically you know chain fees also like, you know, actually will clog up the chain somewhat as well too. Basically, this is kind of like the realization that okay, well, you know, the only thing that's actually said in the channel is basically defending outputs because like that's actually the multi sig itself. We can't change that. Right? But anything else beyond that it's kind of like a little bit more you know malleable is actually fully damaged so basically this process of like you know effectively like having like a zero downtime upgrade for your channels and also doing it in a way that's actually decentralized the entire network so it's like there's no really kind of like one coordinator so it's, it's kind of like ability like you know add, apply like different like different features but like do it in a way where it's completely decentralized basically do it you know at will whenever you want to and uh so we're kind of like still working on the protocol i have it's like kind of like draft like you know you say i'll show like a post mailing list but i got to like feedback from a bunch of good people i'm like importing that and what i'm working on right now is a protocol draft basically once this, once this happens you may have to then actually you know uh, upgrade your channel on the fly and so i think one thing like the number one thing I have is basically like safety. Now people can always upgrade to basically save a channel time and also do it in a way that doesn't have to doesn't, doesn't actually incur on chain attack. But I think nothing really cool thing is also kind of like you know allows for a lot more experimentation as well too. Because now like people can actually like you know add new things like DLCs or whatever else they can actually like you know upgrade the channel type on the fly. So, like you know as soon as anyone like you know has any like maybe do new information or like new techniques or whatever else they can integrate that into the channel uh, immediately basically. Uh, you know and that's kind of like things the channel but not depending off of itself. I see. Uh, and so hypothetically then let's say we we wanted to upgrade to PTLC, for example. So uh, maybe mm -hmm. maybe the hypothetical is like maybe in you know one or two years time we get Taproot, 
and yeah. then the Lightning Network, we want to upgrade to PTLC. So would this be a mechanism for people to be able to change to PTLC channels without closing and reopening or how would that work? Uh, yes and no. I mean, so, so I mentioned like initially, it basically assumes like kind of like the funding output itself is like you said in stone. So like, you know, if we're doing something like PLT, we kind of like need the additional, um, excuse me, like the additional actually like taproot features. So maybe initially we kind of like actually modify the actual funding output itself. But I guess it also depends. Like, so for example, like, you know, so one of the things with taproot is like kind of like really like, you know, really like, um, there's kind of like a lot more possibilities as far as like how you actually want to do channel further. Because like there's kind of like a much larger design space in the system itself. So what we can do, we can say, okay, well, you know, we want to do taproot. So therefore we'll kind of like have like a one, you know, like like a one key, kind of like, you know, two, two type of storing on, on each hand itself. And we'll basically defer, prefer this for everywhere else. So I think one thing is basically allow people to maybe even like have different channel types in the future. So because like, so assuming that people already have like a, uh, you know, kind of like a, a snore or, or whatever output in the chain or whatever else, they can never, they can never do all, all the other, all the other things uh, whenever they want to. And the other cool thing is that, like, you know, it doesn't require the entire network doing it at any given time, right? So, like, let's say maybe people have like PTLC stuff, maybe maybe it's like 20% of the network everywhere else. People will still be able to wrap through the other network because they can actually like select what they're doing based on the future bit of what's going on there. Actually, I'm curious there. So, you mentioned there that you might have some of the network using PTLC and some of the mm-hmm. network using HTLC. So, mm-hmm. obviously, the nodes would have to talk to each other. And as you said, they would do that feature negotiation to understand, uh-huh. oh, okay, I can speak PTLC, so you can speak PTLC to me. Um, exactly. But would that mean, like, how would that work with routing? If Does that mean your entire route must be all HTLC or all PTLC? Or how would that work? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that's like how it would be. Like, um. So it's one of the things where, like, you know, it's not just because, like, we don't have to like have like these like very, very like hard like you know upgrades. Like, for example, like there's no like hard fork, right? It's kind of like more like a gradual thing. People upgrade over time. So ideally, because like you know PLC like solve a bunch of issues as far as like you know different privacy things, or like different types of like form or whatever else. People are kind of like incentivized to upgrade to that new thing. But like you know they can basically coexist coexist in network. But things like we have something we call kind of like you know optional required feature. So initially maybe it would be an optional, but maybe over time people say, okay, well I only accept PTLC type payments because there are all the other things. There's also kind of like a number of really cool you know things you can. Based off of that, like different types of you know things like AMP, whatever else. I think it's just kind of like a natural intention going over. I think the main thing is like you know people can basically upgrade on their own you know leisure basically over time. It's basically similar to like a software, right? In terms of like you know people kind of like you know, having this like more synchronized upgrade, upgrade mechanism versus like having you know to do things all at once. Um, so ideally, like people move move, move over time, but you are correct now. Like, you know, the route would either need to be all HTLC or all PTLC. But, like my node could basically support both. Maybe initially, but maybe like in one year at a time. I was like, okay, well, I'm only going to do I'm only going to do going to do PTLC. Obviously, if all the writing writing nodes are like the major writers network have to go to PTLC. Only that can like enforce the, that kind of like you know adds some to the client, makes the client also updates and help to 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 actually uh, be able to wrap payments. Cool. Um, one other point I thought was interesting to just talk about is uh, when we talk about how many payments can go through Lightning, right? So uh, you know, it, it's people people make the argument that look, we can basically we can move like millions of transactions per second on theoretically on on a lightning network and uh-huh. where, where if we compare with like, you know, credit cards, Visa, MasterCard yeah, yeah. or whatever, people might say whatever, 50,000 transactions per second or something like that. But I think that's also ignoring a very important qualitative difference, right? Because with lightning network and I think I've seen um, other people make similar points someone like Jack Mallers or Rusty as well that it's vastly different when we're routing on the lightning network because there's no fraud risk there's no chargeback risk as well exactly. there's no waiting yeah. for block confirmations yeah yeah so it's an yeah, important yeah. qualitative difference i think that um maybe people are missing when they do that comparison of, of visa versus lightning network let's say exactly yeah i mean i think the other big thing as well also kind of like a you know, barrier to entry and like you know anyone can basically like just have like a lightning node maybe have each two and basically start instantly sending payments you know anywhere around the world versus like you know being a minute basically like what's like actually like a gated you know system that can like center other individuals and like, maybe even like you know have like different choke points going on as well too so it's one of the things like it's also kind of like hard to pin it down because obviously like you know, visa is like one agency that can like you know accurately like you know see what's going on there but like you know no one person has 
had like the entire like you know global view the entire network itself so you can never really know but i think one thing you know, we kind of like seems like you know generally people also kind of like record i mean sorry report their own kind of like you know actual network success people like you know reporting in kind of like you know higher like monthly active users higher paid for emails we're also seeing ourselves kind of like you know loop traffic go up as well too if you can basically view kind of like loop traffic it's kind of like a, like a, like a lower bound for the actual number number of traffic with the network itself so someone like maybe like you know does like a 10 bt through the loop service itself or something like that that, that means like you know they at least like had you know 10 bt for activity going on elsewhere in the network itself and so it's kind of like the same thing where you may not you know you may not be able to accurately kind of like have a little picture of like you know one particular number you can kind of like extrapolate kind of like you use different heuristics based on kind of what people report to actually like get, get a gauge like what's going on but generally from like you know talking about the companies like things are definitely like you know growing as far as the network uh, itself and also definitely activity so you so i think it's one of the things where i feel like the actual capacity maybe like you know is like something like a, a lagging or indicator itself you get like you know maybe that queue is going up a lot more and then we're actually bumping other gets the capacity kind of like you know you list one and then we actually attract more capital like, from there on so yeah, really interesting comment. And so when it comes to things like dealing with censorship and obviously uh, Bitcoin people, we believe in the idea of permissionless money. Uh, I wonder is with the current model or just with Lightning Network, is is that the fact that people have a public key or, a, you know, your node has to be kind of like the, the node, I guess the node ID is public. Um, mm-hmm. Is that potentially a vector that people might try to censor and say, oh, you know, let's say you're running a lightning service and mm-hmm. let's say, you know, someone could come and say, oh, or like a government or a regulator might say, oh, I think this this public, this node ID is uh, uh, whatever, it's a it's a drug market or whatever. Um, and, that you know, we want you to censor any payments that go to that particular node, as an example. Do you do you do you see that as like a like a possibility or do you think that's really not um, a very realistic uh, scenario? Oh, uh, I mean, I guess it's definitely a possibility. Like, you know, regulators who we've seen will go to like, you know, pretty, uh, you know, kind of like drastic metric results. I guess one thing with that is like, you know, obviously like right now people actually maybe like typically have their IP address attached. Like you can also, you have to use Tor if you really want to as far as routing your social media. You're not necessarily like, you know, actually reveal your location. The other thing is like the actual pub keys themselves are actually like ephemeral in a sense. And like, you know, someone could actually have an entirely new pub key itself and then maybe like make another node that which isn't actually especially like, you know, specifically seen as being like related on the network itself, but maybe they actually have the ability to basically send payments, uh, you know, through themselves. So like, you know, we talk about the whole HLC interception interception thing right so let's say like you know i'm actually like node c but i want to basically happen through being routed through node b itself i can like route through node b cast the hclc tell hey node c continue to forward in this direction basically kind of like you know maybe like maybe some of that kind of like link between the other nodes there too so i think because like you know nodes can always kind of like you know have different identities they also kind of like use tour things or order bells it's a little more difficult i think the other thing with that too is that like um it really depends on what they're doing because like the way it is right now you don't necessarily like know who sent you a payment but um you know you can maybe like kind of like have additional like different pathing things or brawls i think something where it's like i think they're always like, i think no matter what math i think there always be kind of like the ability of the network to actually kind of like have you know uh, direct like more easy access basically even if maybe like certain exchange sort of brawls actually have like slightly like, more, more like down uh, like layer of it because you can't really control the network you know, there's no kind of like you know like um direct like mining or whatever else basically like centralized transactions i think people will always be able to kind of like you know find their own like you know freedom you know parts of the network or whatever else no matter what no, no matter what's going on i think also they like we'll always kind of like have additional there's just like additional technology like multi blocks or whatever else actually make the network more, more private over time so and it's always going to be kind of like this like race is like what's going on what are they doing what are they doing what are we doing because i think people definitely really want to have it such that the uh things are a lot more private i think obviously the big thing in general is like okay well you know like every single live transaction that happened in the past like three years was not recorded on the chain and you know it's probably even hard like we we probably saved like gigabytes you know as far as like what's actually not going on the chain. so i think that's like a big big thing itself because like now there's no kind of like immutable record for everything everything that actually happened you can't go back and like look five years ago what, what my note did i mean well not five, five was, was the thing. this was maybe three years ago but yeah right yeah th- those are all great points 
also, I guess just turning to the ecosystem, obviously you're, you're a deep technical expert working at the protocol level, um, but I'm sure you have a view or you have thoughts around what you would like to see in Lightning Network in terms of the application space. Is there anything that you would like to see there? Uh, it's a pretty good question. Um, yeah, like I, mean, I definitely want to see kind of like people doing a lot more kind of like conversations like mobile. Um, as far as like one thing we did we, we did initially, or it's like now it's like you know when the LNDs have capabilities, the base has capabilities to have like do kind of like what's like a like a custom macro. So basically, macro is basically the ability to kind of like you know give someone like an authentication token that token like allows them maybe like you know access like your payments or read whatever else, right? So like one of the cool thing you do on Android, you can actually kind of like have given application. So I guess one thing is like you know I think ideally like every single like phone basically have like one node onto it, like all the other applications basically feed into like one single node, right? So like you imagine like let's let's something. Playing a game, they see a game like you know, request access from my LED you know, my phone. They say, Hey, I want to send you know, uh, up to like one BCC. Um, like, uh, you know, maybe like you know, two times you get a else. I can basically give like a very like precise credential that basically gives you the ability to do that, and nothing else. So, there's something really cool on that. I think, kind of like a more general back green usage on that end. But the cool thing I want people to probably mess around something we have, you know, called else basically the ability to like have like you know, combine basically HTTP 402 and like lightning up together, like have like very cool kind of like authentication payment system going on there. Basically, you can ask like maybe I can like kind of like actually like rent like you know, disk space over time, I can like rent rent storage, I can like you know, have computer else because you can do a lot of things to come like you know, the LSAT, uh, you know, type mechanism there. I think those are two things off the top. I think another thing that hopefully we have coming pretty soon is basically the ability to kind of like have um you know what are kind of like, like more more like a, like a like a static kind of like address basically the ability to like kind of like a lot of people to do like maybe subscription payments or even kind of like you know put push payments directly into the network itself it's going to come with something we have called AMP. i think that'd be a really cool thing because then at that point people can effectively have like what's more similar to kind of like what they think a bitcoin address is and actually all will also be safe to reuse for other individuals and they can also implement things like maybe like a subscription or maybe i pay like once a month a month something like that there's probably like a few things off the top that i think uh would be really cool. i guess the other thing is like once we actually kind of like allow people to like you know Add their own channel types, channel types a lot more easily. I think people will also start to mess around with other different channel types uh, through things like maybe like maybe something a little more specific, like their particular use case. Yeah, I find the really the really interesting uh, the one you mentioned around having some way that people who are used to the old paradigm of just saying, "Oh, here's my Bitcoin address, donate exactly. to me," uh, yeah. but have that in Lightning because I guess one of the things that um, people who aren't as technical or aren't as, you know, and in fairness, it's still early days. Um, mm-hmm. But some of the, I guess, obviously there's huge upsides to Lightning, but some of the downsides are that you have to be, yeah, your node has to be online or persistent. And mm-hmm. there's kind of, there's sort of these different requirements around how it works. And so people have to think in a different way. But if exactly. some of those things can be mitigated a little bit so that you can just put up a some kind of an address uh, exactly. to receive money to, uh, yeah. Kind of like that HDLC interception uh, thing or the yeah, hotline yeah, invoice. Exactly. Idea. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so like, like here's an example. So let's like I have like some, like some subscription service. Maybe I need to pay them, you know, like uh, ten dollars a month, or whatever else. I have my phone. I scan like this initial QR code thing. Basically, my phone then stores the information. Like one number one, basically stores like maybe like my ID, my account ID for them. Stores the station, basically kind of like what the frequency payment is itself. Then my phone basically wakes up on demand. Kind of like basically push the payment over to the other individual. And the individual basically catches the payment, checks my ID, so like okay, well this, this is like Rose Peace, actual identity. Uh, this is uh, his payment, or whatever else, and credits me on the server itself. And can be done kind of like in like one simple server. Basically, I scan something on my phone, click OK, and basically the phone never does anything in the background. Then we have basically ability to kind of like have like what are like authenticated like push subscription payments over Lightning, which I think is really cool. There's also a bunch of things you can do as well where you can actually kind of like have like actually like offline pay, like machines actually accept Lightning payments themselves. So what they can do, they can like recognize that okay, well this is a payment payment has that I created and only I could create it themselves. And basically, the user presented uh, the premium. The premium can only be be uh, available to them if they actually paid actual payment. So therefore, I'll give them this candy bar. All right. So I think it has a bunch of cool things there, is there as well. People like, you know kind of like have these really cool kind of like maker type a uh, hobby type thing basically can also use that uh, in that fashion as well but yeah i'm really excited about kind of like you know, having like more of kind of like this identifier because like i think that'd be really cool for a chain as well because like someone can then actually maybe even like send money you know into your change account 
or something like that. Host a wallet account. We use like one account, one kind of like reusable QR code type of thing. Excellent. And so I guess just looking at the ecosystem, are there any examples where you think someone's doing really great user experience? Um, good question. Yeah. I mean, so I really like the strike stuff. I like, I like how they kind of like, you know, have this like hybrid between the credit, credit card and actual lighting itself where people maybe don't really even really know like what's going on in the background. That's part of what they have going in there. So this is me like doing some cool things as well. It's kind of like, you know, different, different ways to do authentication where you maybe you can have like your phone actually authenticate via your website. You can like have it like, it'll be like a little more seamless thing. I, I'm really, really kind of like, kind of like dual anything like kind of like involves like actually like, you know, doing like the you know, more like native like web type uh, authentication payments uh, as far as what's going on there. Um, well, I think Phoenix also do, do some cool things as far as, like, you know, really like pushing, pushing, pushing the envelope sort of like UX. So basically have a system like similar to uh, some things we do where they can actually like have a user can like have like very like, um, you know, minimized onboarding time basically. But still do do so in a way where it's, it's still like basically the user still controls the keys down the day, which I think is probably like one, one of the most important things. So I think we've definitely seen people like really like push the edge as far like different like innovation at the wallet level, UX level, and things like that. And I think we'll see a lot more of that goes on as we start to add some additional kind of capability protocol, which basically support these more advanced use cases. Yeah. And so over time, it, you know, well, in the earlier days, it was, you had to be really way more technical and there was a lot more stumbling blocks around this, but over time, it seems like things are becoming a lot easier and it's becoming a lot more of a slick user experience as people are figuring out ways to um, make it a nice experience for the lightning user. So Mm -hmm. um, I guess, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts in terms of, um, you know, let's say another one year's time, do you think um, there'll be way more people on lightning or Mm -hmm. similar to what we have now? Oh, yeah, really good question. Yeah, I think that would be more because I think we were kind of like figuring out like, because like, yeah, I think you're right. And definitely like, you know, it was kind of like really moving like a new paradigm. We were like, okay, well, you know, I have two balances. How do I communicate my two balances? How do I communicate like reserve? How do I communicate amount of capacity or else? I think we were kind of like, you know, really like working through those, all those obstacles basically to give them the ebook you know, kind of like much better experience. I think maybe like in a year or so from now, I think Mo Wealth maybe we'll have similar things like HLC interception. We all figure out. I think we'll have like definitely a bunch of other tools to basically allow people to kind of like, you know, um, acquire channels a lot more easily to basically do a lot more uh, rebalancing on there and to basically make things a lot more steps. I operating uh, on, on the endpoints of it itself i think we'll see kind of like you know a lot more usage of like lightning in the web as far as like, you know people maybe like having like western type thing maybe even like you know, using different permissions basically like allow people to like finally like, get rid of get rid of these like paywalls like to maybe do authentication directly via that i think we'll also see maybe like gaming exchange take off somewhere as well where people can like you know figure out like what's the proper kind of like incentive or kind of like you know mechanism design to actually like you know make these games a little more compelling and like not just you know like it's not just like directly tipping me to kind of like you know, have like a lot more you know like have the things like to be, be like more core, core part of the game so yeah i mean it's, i think one thing is like I've always been continually impressed by all things developers are doing. So obviously I can like think of like some of them where I kind of like you know give them the tools and they just surprise you know as far as like all these things they're making. I think like, I think it's one of the big things. Lightning has like such a like a large developing community and I think definitely understand. I think even now like people are still doing all these like meetups themselves, virtual things like hackathons or whatever else. I think uh, that's like one of the coolest things just to basically see it over time because they continue to grow beyond that. Um, and yeah, there's there's so many people doing really cool stuff. Excellent. I think, yeah, we're seeing a lot of growth in terms of um, the ecosystem and people being able to easily use Lightning. Um, so, Lalu, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, if listeners would like to find you or Lightning Labs online, where can they find you? Oh, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash roastbeef. That's uh, roastbeef with no T. I'm also roastbeef with news about everything else. Been that way since like eighth grade. You can find us, uh, github.com slash lightning labs. We'll go to lightning.engineering. It's kind of like our, our base site. And we have a bunch of other things, uh, you know, linking from there too. And check out our repos. Uh, and uh, yeah. And also twitter.com slash lightning is also us. Uh, that's lightning labs on uh, Twitter. We have to snag, you know, the, the the cute little handle. So that was nice. Well done with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank Elizabeth for that. She, she pulled off, you know, she put off some hookups. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, look, I really enjoyed chatting with you. It was really, uh, really educational for me. Um, so thank you for joining me. Yeah. Thanks so much, man.
Show notes are available at stefanlevera.com slash 207. Thanks, and I'll see you in the Citadels.